Hey, y'all, you're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. Dear Diary, the last sitcom episode we did was about the show Insecure. Now we want to throw it back in a time in the same neighborhood of Lamert Park while we talk about the one sitcom that progressively grew into a melodramatic black soap opera, Moesha. <laughs> Damn. You like that? I did that just for you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, when I saw that part, or like when she would talk during that part, I'm like, I want to start writing a diary. And if someone reads it, I really hope they have that, that little dope-ass background music to go with it. Because it really just added something to it. It's so poetic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> At the mood. Set <laughs> <Except> the mood. <laughs> All right. So we are talking about the hit sitcom series, Moesha, that is now available on Netflix if you want to go and take a, a gander at it. Uh, what were... Yes, get your Netflix and chill on. I just wanted to say that uh, Kim spoke to my heart, and I just like the way that she said, party. You know, we going to the party. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, Kim was definitely like the, com- uh, the comic relief of the show. You know, like, she, I just love her. Like, she just always has something silly to say. And just her, just the way she is, like her demeanor, like, I, I just love Kim. Kim was my favorite character. And I'm sure that the actress, Countess Vi, would love to hear that because apparently that's part of her and Brandy's fallout. Was she told Brandy, bitch, I'm the reason they watching this show. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. that's the reason why I would continue to watch the show. <laughs> She really just, she was like that perfect person. Like right then, boom. You're like, thanks, Kim. I needed that. I just felt a little stressed out. <laughs> I needed you. <laughs> I liked everyone with an accent. So her and their cue was shorty. God, he was so I'm saying annoying. shorty. <laughs> it was so annoying. Like at first I was like, oh, you know, he's from New York. So I could appreciate that. You know, what, what? And then I was like, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> then like. And then he kept saying shorty for everything. And I'm like, now you're just trying too hard. And then I just felt like he was like melodramatic, like just like, not melodramatic. He was just, he just didn't know how to act to me. I loved him. And what I did said, you love Moisha, about him? Moesha does not deserve his love. All that he wants to do is make money and spend time with her. And it's just, huh, she no, just doesn't he, appreciate him. No, because he still <laughs> wanted to be out on the street you know, and have all these little hood rats in his face. Only and, when she was playing games. And, but he was being a rough back. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what Frank called him. He calls him Not a rough, rough neck. <laughs> a rough back or whatever they saying nowadays. <laughs> I was like, uh, like a type of gorilla. <laughs> and here we have the rough back. The rough back. <laughs> I feel like that might be a type of animal. Let me do a Google search. <laughs> Rough back. <laughs> but <laughs> aside from uh my favorite quotables from the show, Rosie, what were some of your favorite quotes from the show? Everybody say Moesha. That's it. <laughs> Actually, rough back is not an animal. It is uh rough skin on your back. <laughs> That's what came up on Google. Yo, I just wanted y'all to know. Disgusting. <laughs> the results. <laughs> I'm just going to close that window. Anyway, um, that was one of my favorite. Not the rough. No, the rough back was definitely one of my favorite quotes. Um, <laughs> and um, well, uh, what was another one? You know what I thought you were going to say? What? My name is Moesha. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just love when she be busting into the door talking about, hey, man, say Moesha. Like, girl, don't nobody care about you. <laughs> Why you gotta enter the room like that? Like, everybody gonna be like, Moesha. Girl, shut up. Um, and then, Can I tell you a funny story about that? Please do. 
I hate it when she says that, but not because I just, I don't like it. What happened was there was a marathon and I wanted to watch the marathon years ago, but that was the commercial that they played during, like that was the snippet, the soundbite that they played during the marathon. So yes. every commercial break, I would hear her say, everybody say Moesha. And I'd be like, no, mm-hmm. get to the show. But it, it's fun to watch now. <laughs> well, you know, she, um, that Netflix has it set up that way too. Like that's one of her lines come in, mm-hmm. come in. In the trailer. It triggered a little, a little thing for me. Did it? Cause I was sick and I was staying at home and watching the Moesha marathon. And I just had to see it over and over again. And then when Netflix did it, I said they would. Mm-hmm. Of course, just to traumatize <laughs> you, you know, um, but that, that's it for my quotables. I did have another one, but now it's, it left my brain. So with I'm sorry. Else. I know. It was, cool. it was my fault. One thing, I don't think it's technically a quotable, but one thing I did notice that I thought was hilarious, that every time Hakeem came into the house, he called them something different. So he would walk in and be like, hey, yes. village people. <laughs> yeah, <sir. laughs> hey, hey. yeah, hey, Huxtables. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then, you know, one thing I didn't appreciate, I was like, why do they have to uh, make Hakeem so, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use? <laughs> so <laughs> needy? And, well, not needy, because he didn't come. Did he present that's, his But that's the word that came <laughs> to my mind when you said, when you were looking. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You know, like, why is it that, it that he has to come in needing food every time? And it was his, it was his second address. Like, no, it was his first address. <laughs> and I remember that one episode where Moesha loaned him some money. Mm. And he was asking other people for money. And she ran up on him like, where my money at? And, you know. Like she was trying to shake him down. I'm like, all right. Right. Lefty, leave me. <laughs> right. Get it, it was, when I get it. It was only like $20. And so, you know, anyway, um, she realizes his home situation. I think that was a little humbling pie for her. But I think, I think what bothered me is like, y'all know that he's coming from this situation. So why pick on him or why mention it? Just go ahead and do it. But I guess that was supposed to add the, the comic relief, if you will, because of him being that needy neighbor. I didn't like it. Yeah, Moesha was just always in his business. She was always in everybody's business. Just as, uh, mm-hmm. Yes, it was annoying. As, as it went on, like I started really, really liking Moesha. And as the show progresses, I'm like, oh, you annoying. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this why right. Kim went to Santa Monica College with her mama. <laughs> she got tired of you. Okay. Well, Professor Overby. Over. <laughs> Ogilvy? Ogilvy? Oh, I thought it was Professor Ogilvy. It's Ogilvy. And she just called him But I guess they changed it because like in their spinoff episode on the show, when they first meet him, his name is Ogletree. And then once the Parker start, it changes to Ogilvy. Interesting. Someone mispronounced his name and just kept it going. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. You Monique didn't, was like, I don't like that. Change it. <laughs> right. I can't say that word. <laughs> so before we go any further, I just want to take a second to um, recognize the life and legacy and say rest in power to Lamont Bentley, who did play Hakeem, to Yvette Wilson, who played Andel Wickerson, to Merlin Santana, who played Ohaji, and to Bernie Mac, who played Uncle Bernie on the show. Mm-hmm. Sad to lose all of those people from that cast. And they were all awesome in their own rights and legends in their own rights. And just wanted to give them a quick shout out. I appreciate that. That was so nice. You know, I, I was real excited to realize again that, wow, um, he was, a, he was a character in this show, and I didn't realize it before when I watched it as a kid um, mm-hmm. that he was even in the show. I didn't know that. I, didn't, I completely forgot. So um, it, was, it was nice to see him. 
I wanted more. They needed Uncle Bernie more. I know. <laughs> but maybe that was around the time where he was trying to get his his stuff uh, situated with his show and everything. Um, the it was... Brandy had said that that was part of the fun of having him on set. She said it was always a fun time when he was on set and that he would always say, I'm going to have my own show. I'm going to have my own show. Look, wait, just wait, watch. I'm going to have my own show. Uh-huh. And then she said, Kings of Comedy happened and then right after the Bernie Mac show. Yeah, yeah. So that was great for him. I'm happy that so happened. speak your dreams into fruition. People, make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like Uncle Bernie. So when you watch this show, like as a, as a young Adolescent? How old were we when no, this show No, I out? was six. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. No, that's not right. We were I young. Was, yeah, I was definitely like six years old. What were your impressions of the show back then? Oh, I just wanted to be Moesha. I wanted my hair, I wanted my hair braided um, <laughs> <laughs> and have my different braided hairstyles. Um, you know, I think that was probably, I mean... I think that Moesha was probably the one show that made me feel like, okay, college is a thing. Um, Mm. I get that we had shows like, um, what's that show called? (laughs) Which one? Hillman. Um, A Different World. A Different World. Why could I not? (laughs) I could not think of the name of the show to save my life, y'all. I need some help with my memory. (laughs) But yeah, like the, a different world was before me, you know? So it was like, I, I, as a kid watching it, it was like, oh, this is something cool. But Moesha was more current for me at that time. And it, it just, I was able to learn more from her character than I did from the characters in a different world. But in a, from a different world, I, as an adult, appreciated it more than I did as a kid. Whereas mm-hmm. Moesha, I think I appreciate it more as a kid. And as an adult, I'm like... She's so annoying. <laughs> See, so it wasn't just me. <laughs> yes. No. It's more and more annoying. As the, sh- <laughs> like, the seasons progress. Why? Shut up. It's just so dramatic. And it's just like, it's not even about you. That part. So. But yes, I wouldn't be surprised if the show was sponsored by the United Negro College Fund because they talk about college a lot in the show, I which I don't think I recognized as a kid. I was I was a little boy crazy. So I was just like, ooh, Moesha got all the fine men's after her. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Usher, <laughs> Usher is one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But Q, he could go sit down. He could come sit down next to me. That's okay. Could, and you could have Usher because I, I don't I don't know. Maybe because me and Usher have like a similar nose that and I think maybe we could be related. But so he he's never I liked him and I love his music, but he was never like, ooh. ooh I don't know. Usher. It was it was like when oh his name is Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. We have to say we have to stay in character. Jeremy Davis. Um mm. I know, right? This is like the peak, when I think about it, this is the peak time, not only for Mo, uh, for Moesha or Brandy as an artist, but for Usher and Jeremy as mm-hmm. an artist as well. And so to see them come together on a show is just like, ooh. <laughs> you know, and I was there for it. I loved it. Absolutely. Loved I definitely, it. I can agree with that. And one thing that did stick out was I, I was like, oh, look how young Usher looks. But then, like, I started thinking about it, and he played his song to her. And I was like, this song came out, and he was that young? Yeah. It made yeah. me appreciate him a little bit more. Just like it made me appreciate Kobe a lot in, in, the, um, in his episode that he came on and had to take the SAT twice. Oh. R.I.P. to Kobe, too. We lose so many greats. Um, but, yeah. And so I was kind of had to like refresh my memory of like how young everyone was in the industry doing things during this time. Mm-hmm. Like even having Caleb um, Genuine come mm. in, like, ooh. Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think he G- might have you been- fine as the girls G- in my fine? school used to call him. <laughs> oh my God, really y'all? 
genuine. <laughs> like so many old things came back watching this. Like yeah. the fact that Moesha came on on the uh, on UPN and the kids at my school used to call it the You People Network because that's the channel that all the black shows <laughs> used to come on. <laughs> you People Network. <laughs> That was actually creative. <laughs> oh my God, you got a little kids, man. <laughs> oh, we were so inventive. <laughs> I know. That is hilarious. And so it went from like U Network, it went to BET at some point. Um, it, it aired on a few uh, different uh, channels or networks, if you will. Um, it even was on WB at some point. Uh, yeah, because WB was after, they picked up after UPN kind of went El Fodo. The mm-hmm. Wayans Brothers kicked off the WB network and then mm-hmm. WB picked up all the black shows and then they kind of just let them all go. Picked up mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Dawson's Creek and stuff. <sighs> yeah. Neither here nor there though. Let me step <laughs> down off because I could stay on that box for a little minute. So let me step off before I get started. Hey, let me help you out. <laughs> yeah. So, the Mitchells, let's get into them, child, because who is messy? Who is messy in the Mitchell house? So messy. <laughs> so messy. And you know what? I was watching this little documentary of RJ, Ray J. <laughs> okay, I was like, who's baby? Maybe that's a nickname she calls him because who is RJ? <laughs> See, maybe that's a, a family a pet name that we don't know about. <laughs> I just need to be fired. That's just what needs to happen, girl. You need to fire me, and I'm gonna be okay. Anyway, so Ray, Can't, your hair is already on the logo. Like you're stuck. Shit. Well, <laughs> well, um, Ray J or Dorian, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. he had, um, a few documentaries, um, and he talks about feeling as if he was in Brandy's shadow, you know, mm-hmm. and musically wise, especially. Um, and so I wonder, and I don't know if you, if you have any insight on this, if they added him on for him to kind of get that type of exposure, the acting exposure, since he didn't make it in the singing industry or it just did that just add on to you know that that idea that I'm just gonna follow in my sister's shadow so two parts one the first part being that Ray J at first was more successful than Brandy uh Ray J actually played Sinbad had a had a show for a second Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Ray J played his son and so even when Sinbad is on the episode um of Moesha him and Ray J kind of like look at each other and like you look familiar yeah you do too like they kind of have like a quick little cute back and forth reference in the show that they had and Mm -hmm. Brandy was on Thea Sinbad's show was was much more successful than Thea was um the show with Brandy Thea and Jason Weaver was on that show too Um, but that show wasn't as successful. And so at first, Ray J was kind of the more recognizable figure in the family. And then Brandy's music really, really took off. Acting was something that she didn't take seriously at first and wasn't really, um, focused on. And Mm -hmm. well, at least she said, but, Mm um, I think that, well, Brandy's manager is her mama. So, Mm -hmm. yeah we see how he got written into the show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it at that. I think that he is a good actor. I think that he does. He is very talented and he mm-hmm. did bring uh, good acting skills to the show. But we know that he got it because that was her brothel. Right. And her manager, her mama. And she was like, oh, you want Brandy back for another season? Well, my son need a job too. Hook it up. But then I feel like once he came into the picture, it just ruined everything. And like... Literally. (laughs) (laughs) So it did change a lot for the Mitchells. But at first, he really was just supposed to be the cousin that came and stayed with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, uh, we kind of see the character D, who is played by the amazing, beautiful, diva, Shirley Ralph, the original dream girl. And it's just perfection in, in every sense of the word and form. 
but neither here nor there. Uh, (laughs) She kind of, her character kind of fades out of view a little bit because she was saying how upset she was with the writers and the producers. Like she felt that the character Frank was a strong black father figure on the show. Why would they make his character a liar? Mm -hmm. By -hmm. having this illegitimate son that he just caught his nephew and sent to live with his sister. And so she really didn't like that they were doing that and doing that to the image of black fatherhood that they had created on the show. Whether they liked Frank's personality or not, she still felt like he was a strong father figure on the show and she didn't like them playing with that image. And so that's why her uh, character wasn't in the last season as much. Well, you know, it's interesting that, that you talk about Frank's image. Can we just talk about the fact that I've never seen a dealer, car dealsman, dress in a suit and tie every... Like, he was always dressed to the nine. Frank always had on a college shirt and a tie. That's that old school stuff. I have an uncle who is a car salesman, and um, he wears a, a shirt, tie, and jacket every single day. day. He's Damn. the coolest man alive, though. Shout out Uncle Michael. Coolest man alive. He, you know, I have a picture of him and Rick James and Eddie Murphy chilling. Get out. He is cool. Hey, Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, can we get to Frank's haircut and how it bothered me so? Jesus, why? Was it a hairpiece? Like, was it whatever Steve Harvey was wearing at the time? Uh, it might have been. You know, I think that was just the 90s look for mm. older men. mm Child, they need to let that thing go. <laughs> he was just consistent. I feel like his hair <laughs> was just, they were like, oh, we don't have to pay attention to Frank. He'll be just fine. And they just let him go out here looking crazy. Like, I think mm-hmm. I saw him in a pajamas. That still looked like a suit. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, no, he, he was had all- jeans a couple times. A couple times he wore jeans. But they were belted with his shirt tucked in in a polo. Oh. So I don't know if oh, that counts. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I asked uh, my, my uh, male friends, I'm like, so why don't y'all tuck y'all shirt in anymore? I was like, that's for old men. I was like, it's such a respectable thing to do. Well, Frank fully believed in uh, respectability. I don't even really know if I have a diagnosis for Frank aside from, Mm -hmm. actually, yes, I do. I have one. Uh, Let me go through my whole spiel on Frank. I feel like Frank was um, a misogynistic, judgmental man who projected his feelings on other instead of processing his own cognitions, uh, who jumped into a new marriage before processing his own grief of losing his wife, that Mm. believed in bourgeoisie respectability uh, politics, and had a bad diagnosis of obstructive sleep apnea, hypopnea, evidenced by his terrible snoring and constant need for naps. Okay, so I feel attacked about that last thing for the constant need for naps. Naps are great, okay? Do your naps have dreams and do you snore in during them? Um, well, it just depends. I yeah, think. I think he had them because of his unresolved grief that he refused to talk about. Yeah, okay. He might have been depressed and didn't realize he was depressed and, and trying to find all these other things to fulfill his loss and just further found himself. You know, okay. You know, you're not buying it. Yeah, I wish I could see her face. She is not. <laughs> she is not buying this at all. Leave Frank alone. He already don't know how to dress. I just had a problem with him constantly projecting his feelings and being very accusatory and everything that he was doing. And it just, especially like as the seasons went further along, he was so hard on Moesha. But then, like once Dorian came, he would talk. To Moesha about parenting Dorian. Their relationship was just really weird. Like he was getting her input on issues that he was super hard on her on, like the season and a half before. It was mm-hmm. mm, they were very enmeshed in it. It wasn't, and I think that that is was causing some of the problems in the marriage between him and Dee. And I think that's why they couldn't get pregnant. Right, right. So, what do you think? Um, about the relationship between Miles and Frank? I feel that uh, Frank was so focused on the triangulation that was happening between him, Mo, and D 
that Miles was left out for a long time. And I think that mm-hmm. that might be why Miles, um, well, Miles said once he started going to therapy himself, that that is why he tried smoking weed. Um, but it did seem like he did it more than once. So he might have mm-hmm. did more than just try. Uh, <laughs> but once Moesha left the house, his relationship got closer with Frank. And even when Dorian came, uh, Miles was still more stable in his role in the family. Uh, while having, well, then an, over, an older sibling, he didn't know a sibling at the time, but having an older sibling in the house, like, and they were still able to flow a lot better. And he was still able to have a stable, more solid position in the family than when Moesha was there because mm-hmm. of that weird situation that was going on between Frank B and Mo. Yeah, you know, when I think about, so we think about Adler's theory and, you know, family um, and birth order, right? So Miles being the baby, um, I think he does take on some of that, uh, some of those characteristics that um, Adler has for the child as far as like, you know, the one to, to likely be the one who is like, the comedian, you know, mm-hmm. the person that, that brings a little bit of that relief um, to, uh, um, you know, arguments and weird uh, situations that happen in the family. But mm-hmm. I, I wonder, because he was such, he was younger, because Moesha was a lot older. She was, it looks like she was in high school. So she was like a junior. Mm-hmm. And it, Miles still needed a babysitter. He was eight. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what what was he supposed to be a part of at that time? Because he was a kid, you know? So, it, I mean, I guess because of, of where, how or when they got married, maybe that also plays into the fact of him feeling, you know, I guess outside of it. What do you think? I definitely agree with that, especially the him uh, playing that Adlerian uh, childbirth role of being like the cute one who Mm -hmm. people just focus on, oh, he's so cute. And he was always dancing and go miles, go Go miles. (laughs) (laughs) And I think like from a family theories perspective, he, um, everyone was still trying to like establish their role in the family because Mm -hmm. D was coming in new, things were shifting and changing. So that made Mo's role kind of changed. And Miles really, was trying to find his place. And I think it just took him a lot longer. And because he wasn't overly dramatic and expressive like Moesha was, it was more difficult for him to process. And which is why he started, started, you know, trying to smoke weed and not wanting to, and they was always sending him to his room. One of the quotables should have been, Miles, go to your room. (laughs) Go to your room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when Nia Long came in and she was his babysitter. Oh, but that episode, speaking of like star, you know, studded episodes, like that one had a ton, like back to back Mm -hmm. um, people in it that were, you know, really up and coming in the 90s. And to just see her now, like, wow, she hasn't aged a bit. Moesha um, had everybody. They had all of the guest stars. They had Bo Jackson as a guest. (laughs) They had everybody. Yes. They really did. Like, they were on it. I mean, I, and, you know, I wish that that could still happen now. Like, I don't know. It just, I think TV is different. Now. Sitcoms are different now. And I, I feel like we, I mean, we have Blackish, but aside from that, what is the other Black family sitcom of right now? Well, it makes me think of Tyler Perry and his different shows. So, I mean, that makes me think of Meet the Browns. You know, um, Tyler Perry worked with all of 10 actors and he recycled them 10 actors and he ain't bringing no guest stars on the show. You got to be one of them 10 actors. <laughs> well, bringing no extra. Ain't going to be no star studded appearances on no Tyler Perry show. I love you, you know, Tyler, but you, you mix it up a little bit. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I really don't know if there's really another show um, that, that looks at that. Because it ain't, girl. Wow. Because now, I don't know if it's because of the era that we're in. It just seems like we love drama. Everything Do we love it? Or is that just what's being fed to us? Like when you open our mouths and shove it down our throats, it's going to get digested, whether we have a choice or not. 
Because like you even know, even on like these reality shows, like people who are on those shows, they say, I gave them so much other stuff. They chose the drama. They fed me lines to say this, or they put me in this awkward situation that I normally wouldn't be in for mm-hmm. the drama. I mean, we, we talked about that too, as far as like, you know, um, what um, Moesha going more into that dramatic phase. You know, and so to me, and this is and this is going back to like the family system, the Mitchells. Mm-hmm. Dorian coming in made the drama more prominent, if you will. I don't know. I think I think that's just I don't. I think it got really dramatic, and it just started to just take. I don't. It just got corny, honestly. I was like, did they fire all of the black writers? Like, what happened? Because this is, it's, it's corny. <laughs> hey. I'm sorry, the whole last season was just corny. Yeah. Season and a half, two seasons, I could have done without. The last two, the college years was, mm-mm. I, but then that's mm-mm. why you had the punkers. Yay, mama. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> So anyway, um, so going back to the family systems and like looking at um, Miles and Moesha's relationship, like I look at the Adler's theory. So Adler, Alfred Adler um, is a, I would call him one of the founding fathers of psychotherapy. And so he has his theory um, related to uh, family birth order or uh, birth order. And his perception of the first child was to be like a natural leader, high achiever, organized on time, know-it-all, bossy, Mm. responsible, Mm. adult pleaser, Mm. obeys the rules. So when I (laughs) when I look at that, or Alfred Adler, he was preaching on his child. Did they write Moesha from him? I think I'm biased because I think we're both uh, more Adlerian focused therapists. Right. But um, child, was, was the man right or was the man The right? only thing that I see that I would say is not Moesha is obeys the rules. <laughs> she obeyed the rules when it was t- when she wanted to. The rules that she wanted to obey. Exactly. Now for the last child, um, there's sense of humor, likes to be pampered, competitive. Financially irresponsible, self-centered, creative, outgoing, and risk taker. Do you think those match Miles' personality? The only one that I'm trying to see if it matches is self-centered. I didn't feel like he was very self-centered. I feel like he was very, like, he wanted everyone to come together to get along. That's the only one where I'm kind of like, eh, but all of the rest of them, yes. Yeah, I guess yeah. Well, I mean, financially irresponsible. I just still see Miles as the as the baby. So I mean, like, what? Maybe he just wasn't good with his allowance. <laughs> I don't know how that would go, but um, I say financially irresponsible because um, I think there was the time where he went to later, much later in the seasons, he went to go visit Moesha at school and uh, Alicia got him to dance to make money, and then mm-hmm. he let her take all the money. That's irresponsible. That is irresponsible. Very irresponsible. <laughs> but he was creative in his ability to dance. You know, mm-hmm. he had a mean moonwalk and a Michael Jackson twirl that he liked to do. That spin, child. That he did that spin, spin so many times. <laughs> so now that we're looking at the, at the, the um, birth order, we're, Dorian coming in, First, he, he's the only child in his world. If, am I getting that correct? Because that's what I got. With his, um, With his adoptive mother, right. he it would, was the only child. But yeah. in the Mitchell household, he would be the middle child. So the only child with him says, well, I'm not with him. So the only child lists close to parents, self-control, Leader, mature, dependable, demanding, unforgiving, pr- 
private and sensitive. And he was none of those things. And so that's why I think it's always <laughs> very important to know, especially with Adlerian, like they consider all of the children in in birth order. Like even if you have a child and that child passes away, they still consider that child when they're looking at different things. And so Mm -hmm. I could see him more in the role of a middle child than I could an only child. Okay, so for the middle child, it has flexible, easygoing, social, peacemakers, independent, secretive, may feel life is unfair, strong, negotiator, and generous everything except for generous. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely think I I agree with that um, as far as especially the strong negotiator and Mm -hmm. him trying to get what he wanted out of situations. Um, I I feel he was fairly easygoing, even though he brought a whole heaping pile of you know what with him. But he always felt like it wasn't a big deal. Like people were overreacting. Like yeah. to, so to him, I felt like his personality, despite the fact that he was causing chaos around him, right. his personality was like, but this ain't no big thing. Why is y'all tripping? Right, 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 right. <laughs> and so I diagnosed um, Dorian with oppositional defiant disorder. Tell us what that is. Okay, yes. So that is a period of angry, irritable mood, argumentative, defiant behavior, or vindictiveness lasting at least six months or evidenced by at least four symptoms from the following categories. Um, Angry, irritable mood, argumentative, defiant behavior, and vindictiveness. Hmm. And I said it was severe, child, because it's (laughs) severe. severe. Yes. Some uh, symptoms are present in three or more settings. And so he was that way at school. He was that way when he had that little chicken hut job. He was that way at home. <laughs> the little chicken hut job. <laughs> <laughs> so I listed it as severe. Hmm. Your thoughts? I feel like you, I feel like you make a great point. Um, especially when we talk about, I mentioned that, um, that strong negotiator. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it could be a good thing and it could be a bad thing where if, if he's not getting what he wants out of the situation where he can become extremely defiant. Um, and in many cases he was. So, And I think that the, the important thing to highlight there is that with um, oppositional defiant disorder, it's mostly towards figures of authority. And so if he doesn't necessarily view it as an authority like Lene, he was able to negotiate with her and get like try to help his group and even into a whole relationship with her grown self, all these grown women with these little boys. Mm. But um, (laughs) but he was able to do all of that with her because he didn't necessarily view her as authority, whereas Frank, the people at school, the police, the boot camp people, those were authoritative people. Mm -hmm. And so he has some issues with it. Yeah. And, you know, I think his social demeanor cost him to get his little brother kidnapped. So, I mean, how did they, how did they go in the whole like series on a cliffhanger? Like where's miles? Did We lost miles a couple uh, seasons ago. We're going to lose him again. Now he get kidnapped. I'm sorry. Poor I'm miles been in a trunk on a 405 for the past 13 years. Yeah, <laughs> damn. <laughs> oh, we need a milk carton with mouths based on it. Missing. missing. <laughs> so who else are you going to diagnose in, in this? Okay, so um, actually quite a few people. <laughs> okay. I would like to diagnose Hakeem with severe to extreme binge eating disorder. Oh, not my Hakeem. He was a grown boy and he did not have the resources that the Michelins had. Not the Michelins, first of all. That's what he would have called them. (laughs) (laughs) But you say he was always needy. Why did he need something to eat? And so I'm not saying that he necessarily had to eat uh, a bulimia or anorexia or anything like that. I'm just saying binge eating. So with that specific disorder, it is... Eating in a discrete period of time within any two-hour period an amount of food that is definitely larger than what most people would eat in a similar period of time under similar circumstances. A sense of lack of control over eating during the episode, feeling that one cannot stop eating, um, eating more, than, more rapidly than normal, 
eating until feeling uncomfortably full, eating large amounts of food when not feeling physically hungry, eating alone, um, feeling. Well, Hakeem didn't eat alone. Because he had to go to their house. Right. So that, that one, that criteria does not. But we don't know what he was doing when he was by himself because they never gave him no shine by himself. He always had to be around somebody in order to get some camera time. I will not accept this disorder for Hakeem. Okay, well, then do you want it to be in partial remission? Yes. Okay, so binge eating disorder in partial remission only because Rosie likes Hakeem. No, No, Kim likes Hakeem. (laughs) Not no more. The first couple seasons, yes, but then she uh, realized... She got Michael and she moved on, Chad. Okay. <laughs> no, but um, I, the reason why I say that, because, I mean, I think eating disorder goes a little far. I do feel like he might have been malnourished, you know, because he didn't, he didn't have the resources. He didn't have the food. His mother was working three or two jobs just to keep the lights on, if she was able to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. So does that, I mean, he was just, he lived in poverty. So does that make him... I mean, he took advantage of opportunities when there was food. That was clear. Mm-hmm. He, he, I mean, he almost ate Andale out of a restaurant. But I mean, still, I think there was, a, there was still this understanding that he didn't have it. So let him have it. Okay, which I understand. I still feel like he ate more than the average bear. All right, uh, next. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not saying that I don't love these characters because these supporting characters are my favorites. They carried the show because after a while, again, like I said, Moesha started to get a little annoying. Mm-hmm. But um, Kim, I love Kim. I That's love Kim. Girl. She is my girl. But I'm still going to diagnose her with mild intellectual disability. Don't do my girl like that. <laughs> you cannot tell me that Kim did not have an IEP. I hope she did. I yeah, really, I, she yeah. needed an individualized education plan for her to be successful at school. Little modifications to ensure that she had equal access to all of, you know, the things that she needed. At that time, do you think that she was even in something like that? You think that she just kind of was able to like coast through under the radar? Mm, It depends on how Nikki Parker felt about it. So if Nikki Mm -hmm. felt like my baby needs some help, y'all gonna help my baby? Yes. Um, But if Nikki felt like, no, y'all not gonna label my child, then no. But I feel like the Nikki that we know, the Nikki Parker, if you will, um, she struggled to ask for help for herself. So, I mean, who's to say that she would ask for help for her child? Um, so to me, I'm thinking it might have gone undiagnosed. But damn, does she have to have the intellectual disorder? <laughs> okay, do you want to take it down to a... Um an unspecified learning disability. Yes, unspecified learning disability, would, I think, would be more appropriate. Well, give me the criteria for the intellectual disability. Yeah. Deficits in intellectual functions, such as reasoning, problem solving, planning, abstract thinking, judgment, academic learning, learning from experience, confirmed by both clinical assessment and individualized standardized intelligence testing. Deficits in adaptive functioning that result in failure to meet developmental and social cultural standards for personal independence and social responsibility. It goes on, but I feel like that's enough to I, I think, justify. I think you made your point. The only other argument that I have to make on behalf of Kim Parker was we have not done um, an actual assessment. Therefore, we cannot... But this is, um, D worked at the school. I'm sure they did some assessments on that baby. Let's not, mm. let's not even play. Yeah. Um, but I still think that Kim still had a lot of strengths. Kim was, she was still very social. She was, she still had um, lots of social networks, social support. She was very um, inventive when it came to design. You know, for they mm-hmm. talked about so long that she was going to the uh, Design Institute of Lamert. And then ended up going to college with her mom at uh, Santa Monica College. Mm -hmm. She was a talented performer. She could sing. She could dance. She could do all of those things. I personally just had a problem with, I don't know if it was the writing of the time or what, but I did not, I was not okay with and slightly uncomfortable with how much they fat shamed Kim because Kim wasn't even that big. And they really like, really wrote that joke real hard. And I didn't like it. 
Yeah, I agree. I noticed that too. Um, Cause even Gabrielle Union had her little <laughs> moment where she kind of like took a jab at her. Um, there were several, several instances. And that makes me sad for her. Um, mm-hmm. I also don't know, like, if if writing, you know, with her being, um, I wouldn't say, like, a sidekick, but, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, supporting, supporting cast actress, member. Actress, yeah, supporting cast, cast member. Um, and making one of them ditzy, you know? Like, I always feel like, there's always that one, it's like a trio, and then there's the one that's like boo-boo the fool all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like, and then like, they kind of made Nisi also ditzy, but then yeah. later on in the, se- like in the seasons, we find out that Nisi was faking being dumb to fit in with Kim, and she was really smart and getting straight A's. Like, it, that, I think they were just, writing got sloppy, and they were trying to figure out who was going to go on what spinoff and who was going to stay, and it just, it didn't make sense. But I just... Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't... Yeah, like, I didn't like that, okay, you're trying to call her fat, which she wasn't. Even if she was fat, it's not okay to make fun of people for being fat. Mm -hmm. And two, you're going to make her also dumb. Yeah, so I I wonder if those tropes, um, being though that these were young actors, uh, I wonder if those tropes played a part into her state mentally now and all the stuff, Mm -hmm. weird stuff that she got going on now. I mean, because we talk about kid stars or, you know, TV stars that were children. And I mean, nine times out of 10, they don't turn out too great. <laughs> they were great as children. But then as adults, they struggle. I mean, I, I, Raven Simone, that's <laughs> OK. That's that. <laughs> What's your next diagnosis? Okay, so I have two that I just wanted to mention that aren't necessarily diagnosis. I just wanted to talk about their attachment styles. Nisi, I felt like was anxious and preoccupied. And I also thought that maybe her birth order would play a little bit of a part in that, being that she had nine brothers and sisters. Mm. I wanted to know where she fell in that. And probably her, you know, striving and wanting so bad for attention came from potentially not getting as much, being that she had nine brothers and sisters, even though... She ain't never had to babysit. She always could go and do all of the stuff. Like, well, maybe because she, maybe she was the middle child and she was able to skate away. I mean, she wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily the youngest where she needed to be watched, and she wasn't the oldest where she had to watch the youngest. So mm-hmm. I'd assume she was that middle child, um, which is also probably why she craved that attention. Mm-hmm. And then I have Q as fearful avoidant attachment style. Yes, let's talk about. Your favorite character of the show. And I do so, not want to talk about Quentin Brooks. Let's okay. talk about Q. Okay, and so he, <laughs> along with um, fearful, <laughs> anxious attachment style, comes um, being avoiding intimacy due to uh, fear of rejection. And so he kind of hinted and mentioned several times to Moesha, like, I really like you. But and she's like, well, why won't you do this and that? And he was like, because I'm not sure if what you really feel is real and Mm -hmm. him questioning her stance in their relationship and how she felt and not really wanting to give herself fully until she was able to really stop hiding from her dad, really commit to their relationship and be full and present together with him. Um, It also can result in low self-esteem and high attachment anxiety. Is you done? Because Quentin, if there was a diagnosis for rough backs, he would be the picture right next to it. Okay. I don't, uh, you I said don't the definition care. was bad skin. So you know that he had bad back skin. That's what we're, so you're going with that? I just, I don't care. He was a talented <laughs> young individual who had goals, aspirations. He achieved those things. He was on tour in Japan with Genuine, all types of stuff, managing groups. I just hated him. I just hated his little bald head, pea sized head looking self with all that army fatigue and baggy clothes. Look, shorty, that was the style. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Let's go on to the next alphabet. I love Q. Don't do my bed like that. Okay. So then uh, I guess that will leave us with, I guess, my most controversial uh, Mm -hmm. diagnosis. And I want you to tell me how you feel about it. Mm -hmm. So Moesha, maybe it's just, I don't know. 
I diagnosed her with histrionic personality disorder. Please explain. Yes. All right. So a pervasive pattern of excessive emotionality and attention seeking beginning in an early adulthood and present in various contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. Uncomfortable in situations in which he or she is not the center of attention. Mm. I'll only read the five I think that she applies to. Um, displays rapidly shifting and shallow expressions of emotions. Mm. Consistently uses physical appearance to draw attention to self. Hard getting that dog on tattoo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shows self-dramatization, theatricality, and exaggerated expression of emotion. Mm. Mm. Is, sug- is suggestible, easy influenced by others or circumstances. Q would just tell her to sneak out. And she'd be like, okay. Right. And considers relationships to be more intimate than they actually are. I, I, can't, I can't argue with that one. That one is actually very spot on. Um, I remember there was this one episode where she was going to go break up with Q. And she mm-hmm. was like, well, before I go break up with him, let me look good while I let, the, let him down mm-hmm. with this bad news. <laughs> So that's what I instantly think about. But speaking of which, I loved the style from the 90s. Was they fly or not? Oh my gosh. I was like, I want this fit so bad. So, and then they got to the 2000s and she couldn't dress no more. It's just something happened in them final seasons and I don't know what it was. Up in the morning, you know who's this calling? It's me. It's me. I, I would just it. like to also take a second to appreciate Brandy's range in vocal tone. Y'all realizing the morning, is calling. It's me. Like, <laughs> not going, realizing my responsibilities. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> But she said it in her song, my best friend's always on my mind. So she's always concerned about her, the people around her and, and fitting in and, you know. So much so that even Miles mentioned that. He said um, in therapy, when they kind of switched roles and were playing other people's positions in the family, he said, I don't care about you. Only thing I care about is my friends. And I could never be worried about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. He hmm. said that that's how he felt that Moesha felt about him. So, yeah, she was over dramatic. Um, and always in everybody's business. And so, like, even when other people had business, she had to insert herself in it. And I felt like that was part of the, but look at me. But, well, let me help you fix your problem. I have to be involved in some shape, way, form. Granted, mm-hmm. she's the star of the show. So, yes, she kind of does. It's, like, named after her. But... <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> How dare life, we? Yes. In real life, that would be very annoying. And then she probably would have got beat up. Probably. I can see several instances where if I was Cam, I probably would have slapped her. Mm. Like, don't talk to me like that. Elbow. I don't care. Right. Like, I don't care. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that diagnosis is spot on. I'll, I'll agree with that one. See, I thought she was going to be like, no, that is too harsh of a diagnosis for A, B, 1, 2, and 3. So I'm glad we agree. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to kind of wrap everything back together, Hakeem, we have agreed to severe binge extreme. <laughs> it's severe to extreme, severe to extreme binge eating in partial remission. Oh, partial, partial remission. Partial remission is for you. Um, eating disorder. Um, we have Kim at mild intellectual disability. Or possibly a unspecified learning disability. We would just unspecified learning disability because figure we have out not- which assessments that she has taken and has Thank not. You. Yes. Um, we have Nisi with anxious, preoccupied attachment style. Moesha at histrionic personality disorder. Miles, <laughs> I didn't say this, but um, I guess we could say cannabis intoxication without use disorder, which yeah, means that he puffed, but you know, he didn't, he, he don't have a problem with it. He just tried it. Um, <laughs> Dorian, we have with oppositional defiant disorder. Q, shorty with fearful <laughs> avoidant attachment style and just needed somebody to love him. I wondered what his relationship was like with his mom. Mm. He was living with his father. And I wonder if that played a part in that attachment style. Oh, absolutely. Um, issue in, in his relationships and his um, fear of being rejected by a woman. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's what co- brought 
Chu and Moesha together closer because of that that absentee mm-hmm. mother or yeah. And he just wanted somebody to love him out loud. Mm. I was seven at the time, so I couldn't do it, but you couldn't tell seven-year-old not to try. <laughs> okay. And then Frank, I, I guess just have his sleep apnea, hypocnea. <laughs> and being trifling. Uh, why they have to make that man a liar well, like what that? What about D? Uh, D is perfection. And oh. okay, well, we can wrap her up in the triangulation that happened, uh, I guess, between um, Mo, D, and Frank. I think that um, that was an issue, and she kind of played the role of the enabler. Mm, I can see that. that. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are very like there are three three distinct roles in triangulation, and so mm-hmm. there is that of the enabler, which we know is kind of the one that allows these situations to continue. They want to be liked. They don't want to um, kind of cause the issue, and so they allow the situations to basically to continue and go on as they were. And D being the new person in the family, the stepmom, she kind of played that role. Yeah. Um, we have the persecutor who places the blame, who it's... Oh, that's Moesha. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, that's Frank. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, okay. Tell, tell me, tell me why. It's driven by a need of power. Oh, and he is the male, and so therefore he is the leader of the pack, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. feels like I'm right. I hold the power. I right. am the one that, you know, lays out the punishments and, and all of that. And I run this here house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the victim would have been Moesha. I'm blameless. It's not me. It's mm-hmm. just love me no matter what. So that you're treating me like a child. Mm-hmm. Well, girl, because you are a child. But <laughs> <laughs> she often played that role in the victim in their triangulation. So I guess I can put D in a triangulation. But other than that, then she was perfect because Shirley Ralph can do no wrong. She is everything. She is every woman. It's all in her. Oh, okay. Well, y'all hear this? I hope y'all, I hope y'all respond. <laughs> 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 I don't think she's all that perfect, but I mean, she, she, I mean, there really wasn't much for me to go off of to really be able to say, yeah, there's a, a key diagnosis that she has. I think mm-hmm. she was very neutral mm-hmm. to, to some degree, you know, other than her desire to have a child and things like that. Like she didn't really bring that much, that much drama. Nope. And I think that came from her role as an educator. Always mm-hmm. trying to be fair, always trying to hear both sides of every argument, maybe mm-hmm. being making rational, informed decisions, mm-hmm. um, because that's what great educators do. That's and D is great. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, prognosis how do you see these people getting better or mm-hmm. getting worse or staying exactly the same? <laughs> oh, shall. Um, I feel like Moesha is just going to continue to be that person. I mean, at this point, um, there, I don't think there's really that much developmental change that she's going to experience. Um, hmm. Maybe with some real life situations really happening to her, maybe that pregnancy scare might shift a few things. But I think, you know, um, what- I don't even think that it was her that was pregnant, girl. I think it was, uh, what's her name? Alicia, Alexis, uh, Alicia. I think it was Alicia mm-hmm. that was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Well, so she ain't gonna learn no lessons. <laughs> she might not. So I mean, I would definitely do. I, I'm I am a Larian person centered, you know, theory oriented. But for me, I mean, she's already so person centered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. I don't. I think maybe like more cognitive behavioral type of therapy would be best for her. For her to understand that 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 thoughts. And that equals action and, you know, that type of behavior pattern um, to help her learn better coping skills or other than and and to have like to work on emotional regulation would probably be where I would start with Mo. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I don't even know right now if I will want to see Mo individually. I think that it might 
the best for it to be that family systems because so much of her family impacts everything about her. Like her dad was super controlling and always involved in her business. So with her friends, she became all involved in their business and had to have something to say or judge everything that they did, whether it was her business or not. And so I would really like to work with um, the family. And and I really did like that they did role reversal inside of the family uh, therapy sessions, even though they only had like two when my house was smoking weed. <laughs> but I did like that they did do role reversal. I would like to do some sculpting with them as mm. well to like further, take a step further so they, they can really see how um, each person views each other and they view their roles and they could like increase their empathy towards each other a little bit more and see other people's points of view. Cause I feel like everyone was so self-centered and they were right. And they were only looking at it from their viewpoint, except of course of D. Um, I think that that would have been good. Um, And I would have liked to bring, uh, of course, now that Dorian is a part of that family, have him involved as well, Mm -hmm. because he, he needs to, he needed therapy soon as they told him that Frank was his day. Yeah. He needed therapy before that. Yeah. He was having all these issues and had to be sent away, but neither here nor there. We have to deal with the people as they are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Meet them where they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I go ahead. Say if, I, if I can be really honest, I, I have a, a couple right now and I have to be honest, I don't know if I could, if I would be able to handle the Mitchell family system. It, it comes with a lot, like, you mm-hmm. know, as far as like, so how long would you see them? What would be some things that you would help them, you know, achieve in this, in your session? Boundaries, communication would be my first two goals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they lack those things. Yeah. Families, man. Working with families is another it's ball game. work. And the oh. issue, the biggest issue is that there's a homeostasis. And so that means okay. that there's a balance that families have achieved. And so even if you fix one area that um, is causing as an identified problem, someone in that family is going to do something to bring their level of chaos back to what they're used to. And so even if you fix one thing in a family, they they have to maintain that homeostasis. So something else is going to pop up. Mm -hmm. And so I would not want to work with them for a prolonged amount of time just because Mm -hmm. something is always going to get popped up. And especially with them, it's going to distract them and they're going to just focus on like, so no, we're going to build some skills and maybe Mm -hmm. y'all can raise that level of homeostasis to less chaos, just a tad Mm -hmm. bit Mm -hmm. um, with these skills that y'all have, but it's always going to be a certain level of just foolery, time foolery, because (laughs) family's a hard work child. Yes. You know? And so I'm like, okay, if we're going to do that, we might have to go back to the individuals uh, (laughs) because their group work, I could only do it for so long. So my question, how would you help Kakeem stop eating? <laughs> Will he stop eating? Is it possible? <laughs> you know, I would, I, would, I would give him resources to like food pantry. Um, you know, um, maybe, unfortunately, if, if he needed access to meals, so like what, what hot meals to go are available, like with different shelters or whatever. Um, because again, I, I think his his overconsumption of food is coming primarily from the fact that he does not have it at home. And so once he's out and about and he, and he knows where he know where he can get it, mm-hmm. he's going to maximize the opportunity with them. But I think that I, I, luckily, you know, it was a, a running inside joke with the Mitchells uh, for him to come over for breakfast and dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but and a midday snack. In a midday snack, but you know that could have been draining. That could have been taxing on the relationship. You know, at some point, you know, some families would be like, "All right, now you need to go home." But I think that the the Mitchells um, need to be 
the helpers that they they viewed themselves as. They just welcomed him as a part of the family, and which I felt like was good for Hakeem because he didn't have a father figure, and so he did look towards Mr. Mitchell in that way. And his and we had the episode with him trying to Moesha trying to connect him his father, and it was really it was just something that neither one of them wanted. And sometimes that's okay if yeah. both parties are saying this is where we are and this is where we need to be in order for both of us to be sane and healthy. Mm-hmm. Moesha needed to mind her business. Mm. That's another example of Moesha meddling in business that she did not to be need to be in. Right, and I loved when uh, his mama, Joe Marie Payton, also known as Harriet from Family Matters, said, mm-hmm. "Moesha, sit down. This my son. I want to talk to him." I said, "Yes, Moesha, go sit your ass mm. down. Do what she said." Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> So my only, my last one that I want to talk about is on the Parker's Kim got dumber. So I guess that's the prognosis for her because she went, it went untreated. She didn't get no modifications. Her IEP wasn't reevaluated when she got but to college. she went to college. But she got dumber. She went to college and got dumber. You see, they made her real dumb towards them last couple seasons <laughs> of the Parker's. Yeah, well, you know. I think I don't, I, and that's what makes this whole diagnosing thing messed up because <laughs> we're we're di- we're trying to diagnose the character, but the character is ever evolving based off of the writer, especially in a sitcom. But I so, mean, people are ever evolving based on absolutely. the circumstances of life. Absolutely. So that's why you can have diagnoses that go into remission, mm-hmm. um, and with that the change over time. Change. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know what happened to Kim. Maybe. Where, where do you see Kim? What do you think Kim Parker is doing right now? Does she still live with Monique? I Nikki? feel like I feel like they moved into a um, a nicer house, but they still living together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, Kim is is working at a real high end retail store, like a boutique. Yes, a boutique. where she makes commission. Right. So she can still, mm-hmm. you know, be successful in that mm-hmm. way. And she's trying to open her own boutique. Actually, right now, right now, right now, she mm-hmm. has an online boutique. Yes, she is Instagram famous with her online boutique. That's where Kim is. Kim is an influencer. Yo, yo. Kim, matter of fact, Kim is on a reality television show as well. What? Mm. Wow. Throwing the parties. Now Thank people you. come to her party. Right. Yes, Kim is successful. Yes, yes, Kim. Yes, Kim. Do your thing, Kim. I'm going to get me a a Kim Parker waist trainer, a bodysuit, and Mm -hmm. the clear heels. And then I'm going to get me a lace front. Because she Mm -hmm. always rocked them lace fronts. Mm -mm. She was the original. She was the original lace front wearer. She said it, it broke her skin out all up on here. It took all that glue, all that glue. It took took all the edges. Poor baby. The edges and the skin, girl. Ooh, that was bad. Um, but Free yeah. the edges. Free the edges. Um, who else? Who, who else do we have a prognosis for? Oh, would you like to, to do a prognosis for your little boyfriend? I sure would. And so Kim, you, I mean, uh, Q used the ring that Moesha gave back. He used that to help his group be successful. They blew up. Um, he married Courtney Copeland and they lived happily ever and had little short, light-skinned ghetto babies. Wow, what a prognosis. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can appreciate that. That's a good place to end the episode, don't you? I think so. Okay. If you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app at dollar sign the DSM podcast. Now we are happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we would rather get the kind that folds. And as always, be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts and leave us a comment because we are counselors and we actually care what you guys have to say. So until next time, peace. Okay, bye.